Good to see all of you here. Welcome you to the house of the Lord on this his day uh, of rest. We trust that you have um, given some forethought to this day other than this morning and uh, have remembered our brother Bill in your prayers and indeed the whole hour. I'd like to read to you from section four of the Doctrine and Covenants for a call to worship, and it says, Now behold, a marvelous work is about to come forth among the children of men. Therefore, O ye that embark in the service of God, see that ye serve him with all of your heart, might, mind, and strength, that ye may stand blameless before God at the last day. Therefore, if ye have desires to serve God, ye are called to the work. For behold, the field is wide already to harvest, And lo, he that thrusteth in his sickle with his might, the same layeth up in store that he perish not, but bringeth salvation to his soul. And faith, hope, charity, and love with an eye single to the glory of God qualifies him for the work. I was thinking about this scripture this morning, and when I read through it, I uh, came across that word uh, qualify. Faith, hope, charity, and love with an eye single to the glory of God qualifies him or her to the work. Now, you know, in life, uh, we, we, um, we all have our qualifications, don't we? There, uh, um, I have mine. You know, he had to go to school so much and take several tests. My, uh, both my brothers are engineers, and they had to go to a accredited engineering school, and then they had to take the uh, uh, engineering test afterwards uh, so they could be, uh, they could pass that. And uh, some of you may not have uh, tests that you take or schooling, but you still have qualifications for the work that you do. So I'd like you to think about this. What is it um, that you have done or you are working on that qualifies you for the work of the kingdom? Because that really is the most important work that we can hope to uh, uh, be a uh, prof- have as a profession in, that we can work in, and uh, we have in the scriptures uh, those things that uh, do qualify us for uh, that endeavor. We'll uh, continue on, uh, saints, with singing hymn four twenty five four two five. After which our brother Dan will bring the opening prayer.
Gracious Heavenly Father, once again, Father, we approach your throne. And Father, we do it again in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity this morning to be here and once again gathered in to have an opportunity to worship you. And Father, we want to thank you for the beautiful setting you've prepared for us this morning with the lovely sunshine and the quiet, Father, of this very room. And we know, Father, that uh, here in your spirit dwells. Father, we would uh, hold up our brother Eric this morning for his responsibility and leadership and also our brother Bill, Father, as he uh, has that responsibility to bring that spoken word. And we would ask that you might uh, bless Bill for his mind and his tongue, Father, that he might share those things upon his heart and those uh, words that you have given him to uh, bring to us this day. Father, we pray your spirit be with us this morning, that we might feel you move among us, that we might... uh, have greater comprehension, Father, of those things that were shown this day and that we are taught this day. We ask it, Father, in the name of your Son, even Jesus Christ. Amen. We find recorded in Deuteronomy these thoughts. If there be among you a poor man of one of your brethren with any of the gates of the land which the Lord has given thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart or shut thy hand to thy poor brother, but thou shalt open thy hand wide to him sufficient for his need. For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thy hand wide to thy brother, to the poor and to the needy in the land. And we know today, of course, Christ uttered that same sentiment in his time, that the poor ye will have always with you. But it's more apparent today to each of us, I'm sure, as we travel through this confines of our own city, how the needy are present every day you see them. So I would ask at this hour, at this time, that we would be mindful of those when we have the means and the ability to share in some small way to assist them. Let us pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the blessings of life and how you have shared so much in our lives that we often neglect to give you thanks for. We pray that we would be mindful of those less fortunate, that we'd be willing to share in some small way just a portion of that which we might have. So give us the opportunity and the desire, and may our hearts always be in tune with that need that you have placed before us it would be willing to share always with those who are less fortunate is my prayer. And I ask these favors and blessings in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
I've chosen for your consideration for my scripture reading from the first section of the Doctrine and Covenants, reading from the fourth verse. Wherefore, I, the Lord, knowing the calamity which should come upon the inhabitants of the earth, called upon my servant, Joseph Smith, Jr., and spake unto him from heaven, and gave unto him commandments, and also gave commandments to others, that they should proclaim these things unto the world. And all this, that it might be fulfilled, which was written by the prophets, the weak things of the world should come forth and break down the mighty and the strong ones, that man should not counsel his fellow man, neither trust in the arm of flesh, but that every man might speak in the name of God, the Lord, even the Savior of the world, that faith also might increase in the earth, that mine everlasting covenant might be established, that the fullness of my gospel might be proclaimed to the weak and the simple, unto the ends of the world and before kings and rulers. knocking 
Behold, the Savior is at your door, seeking entrance in. Thank you, Cheryl and Laura, for that ministry music. I thought of that same greeting that the Apostle Paul gave to the several churches in his day. And I'd like to share that with you, that same greeting that he gave. Grace be unto you, and peace from our Lord God and from Jesus Christ. I greet you now in the name of Jesus. He certainly is knocking at our door, seeking entrance in. And these days are being very darkened with so much anxieties and fears and sorrow, pain, many distractions that we're facing as a society this day. But I know the Lord wishes to walk among us this day, offering to each one of you his right hand to lift you up along those many perils that you're facing in this moment of your life. From those heartbreaks and sorrows to that joy that you have been created to. He wants to be one with you. One in spirit. One in his love. One in his promises. Some of those promises I'd like to share with you this day. Our theme for the week was Doctrine and Covenant's first section. And I read there that account that my everlasting covenant might be established. And what is that everlasting covenant? In reading from the ninth chapter of the book of Genesis, we find these words relating to that everlasting covenant that is ours to enjoy and to be a part of in these the last days. Starting with verse 9, excuse me, 19 of Chapter 9 of the book of Genesis. I will set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth, and it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant which I have made between me and you. For every living creature of all flesh. Now this was the first part of the everlasting covenant to Noah. This was shortly after the flood. And this was God's eternal and everlasting covenant that he made with Noah. That he would no longer flood the earth to destroy all flesh. And that cloud would bring forth that bow, that rainbow in the cloud as a reminder to God of that covenant he made to Noah. And the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant which I made unto thy father Enoch that when men should keep all my commandments 
Zion should again come upon the earth. The city of Enoch, which I have caught up unto myself. Now this was the second part of that everlasting covenant. This everlasting covenant they made with Enoch. That Zion would come. And even his holy city, that city of Zion that was taken up into the bosom of God, would once again come upon this earth at Christ's coming in glory. And this is my everlasting covenant. Again, this third part is to know again. And this is my everlasting covenant that men, when that when thy posterity shall embrace the truth and look upward, then shall Zion look downward, and all the heavens shall shake with gladness, and the earth shall tremble with joy. And the general assembly of the church of the firstborn shall come down of heaven and possess the earth and shall have place until the end come. And this is my everlasting covenant, which I made with thy father Enoch. This everlasting covenant is what we are to share in, even in this day, to help establish that cause of Zion. When will Zion come? When we all keep all of God's commandments. That is when Zion will be established here upon this land. And reading further, some of my favorite scriptures. I'm sure that you know where I'm going to be reading from next. From the seventh chapter of the book of Genesis. Starting with the 67th verse. And the Lord said unto Enoch, As I live, even so will I come in the last days. In the day of wickedness and vengeance to fulfill the oath which I have made unto you concerning the children of Noah. Now this covenant that he made with Noah at this time was that his seed would remain here upon the earth as long as the earth would stand. And the day shall come that the earth shall rest, but before that day the heavens shall be darkened, and the veil of darkness shall cover the earth, and the heavens shall shake, and also the earth. We can see those many devastations, that turmoil that's in the land, the iniquity. This is that darkness that the Lord's speaking of that will precede his coming in glory. And great tribulation shall be among the children of men, but my people will I preserve And righteousness will I send down out of heaven. And truth shall come forth out of the earth. Now we all believe in the ministration of angels. And I believe that they're very active. Perhaps knowing that time is so short. And they are trying to bring those words of encouragement, those words of righteousness, that we might receive them deep down in our souls and be moved to repentance in believing on Jesus Christ, our Lord, and in his everlasting covenant and in his everlasting promises for us all.
And this truth that has come out of the earth, we believe, is the Book of Mormon. Because it does testify of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that kingdom to come. Giving us the plain and simple truth of his holy doctrine. Those guidelines for us to be that righteous people. To be worthy to stand in that city of Zion one day with our Lord. And righteousness and truth will I cause to sweep the earth as with a flood to gather out mine own elect from the four quarters of the earth unto a place which I shall prepare. A holy city that my people may gird up their loins and be looking forth for the time of my coming. For there shall be my tabernacle, and it shall be called Zion, a new Jerusalem. So this righteousness and truth is going to sweep the earth as with a flood. I truly believe that this is part of that holy endowment that the scriptures speak of. The 144,000 that will be sealed unto this authority and power to preach repentance to this whole world so everyone will hear and have opportunity to bow the knee and believe on the name of Jesus Christ. We're told that 144,000 will be 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Elders going forth to preach this gospel in these the last days. To that conviction of the truthfulness of those everlasting promises that God has made to you and to me. And the Lord said unto Enoch, Then shalt thou and all thy city meet them there, and we will receive them into our bosom, and they shall see us, and we will fall upon their necks, and they shall fall upon our necks, and we will kiss each other. And there shall be my abode, and it shall be Zion, which shall come forth out of all the creations which I have made for the space of a thousand years shall the earth rest. You've heard me say this is so much my favorite scripture because of that verse there. That time of the resurrection. We'll be reunited with our loved ones. And given that opportunity to fall upon their necks and kiss them. What a promise that the Lord has given to us in these the last days. He so desperately wants to be one in spirit with us. He wants to be our truest friend. To be our guide our sustainer along this path. Lifting us up during those times of our heart being broken by those loved ones that we have lost and comforting us, our spirit, and giving that peace, that peace that passes understanding. He's willing to give it to you, each one, this day. If you will only knock on that door. He is willing to come in and sup with you. And carry you along this journey. No matter how many more days that we're allowed to remain. Here upon this side of heaven. He desperately wants to heal your broken heart, your wounded spirit, to ease your burdens. 
to walk with you, to talk with you, to encourage you along life's way. This is his everlasting promise to us, each one. I'd like to read the, the account of that city of Zion now. We find that in the 45th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. This was revelation given to Joseph Smith. And uh, this is exactly what Zion will be like. Started there in section 45. And with one heart and with one mind, gather up your riches that you may purchase an inheritance which shall hereafter be appointed unto you, and that shall be called New Jerusalem, a land of peace, a city of refuge, a place of safety for the saints of the Most High God. And the glory of the Lord shall be there. And the terror of the Lord also shall be there. Insomuch that the wicked will not come unto it. And it shall be called Zion. And it shall come to pass among the wicked that every man that will not take up his sword against his neighbor must flee unto Zion for safety. That's kind of a staggering piece of scripture right there. But I believe it to be true, very true, that those that will not desire to take up sword against their neighbor must need flee to Zion for safety. Jesus said he will prepare Zion for that pure people, that sanctified people that he will raise up and bring forth that we might all be of one heart and one mind where there be no more poor among us. We will have all things common. Safety will be ours in that land of Zion. Perhaps the only place in this nation, particularly, that we might be saved from that mark of the beast. We're told that that mark is something that we're never to to take. It would heap condemnation upon our souls because we would have to worship the beast in order to buy or sell, having taken that mark. I truly believe that that safety will be in that city of Zion during that tribulation time when that Antichrist will reign. Be safe from taking that mark of the beast. That day shall come when the earth shall rest. But again, before that day, we know that there'll be darkness. Much anxiety, much fear, men's hearts failing them for that fear. I don't want to heap upon you any of that negativeness. But I want to stress the positive. That holy promise 
that God has made in his everlasting covenant and in his everlasting promises to us. His people will he preserve. It's simple as that. His people will he surely preserve. That is our hope. That is our banner. That is our joy on this side of heaven. Waiting for that righteousness and truth to sweep the earth as with a flood. Gathering out his elect from the four corners of the the earth. Into that holy city. There is a fate for those that will be judged as wicked and evil. And we find that in Alma, the 19th chapter. Starting with the 45th verse, very plain. As to that day that the arm of the Lord was going to fall. That day when iniquity reaches heaven. And it must certainly be right at the door. And then shall it come to pass that the spirits of the wicked, yea, who are evil, for behold, they have no part nor portion of the spirit of the Lord, for behold, they choose evil works rather than good. Therefore, the spirit of the devil did enter into them and take possession of their house, and these shall be cast out into outer darkness, where There shall be weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. And this because of their own iniquity, being led captive by the will of the devil. Now this is the state of the souls of the wicked, yea, in darkness and the state of awful, fearful, looking forth for the fiery indignation of the wrath of God upon them. This certainly isn't going to be a very happy place to be found in. We have time. We have time to repent and come unto the Lord with full purpose of heart, loving our God and His only begotten Son with all our heart, might, mind, and strength. He will save us. He will give us that richest of all gifts, that eternal promise of eternal life. That is part of his everlasting covenant. We're not to be discouraged, but we are to be encouraged. And these many promises that God has given to us. That truly we might be that true and faithful servant of our God. And his only begotten son Jesus. There are several other everlasting promises that I'd like to share with you. In the scriptures. first one is you have been created to have joy you personally have been created to have joy men are that they might be full of joy that's in second nephi first chapter 115th verse the lord has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Isaiah 53:4 With his stripes we are healed Isaiah 53:5 The gift and the power of the Holy Ghost has been given to you as that second part of the baptism that baptism of the Holy Spirit and in that power brings that comforter 
His peace. That spirit of truth. Even that gift of celestial glory. Doctrine and Covenants 76, 5. It is His work and His glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. Doctrine and Covenants 22-23 The greatest of all gifts are the gift of eternal life. And that's found in second section of Doctrine and Covenants verse 3. Being in the presence of God the Father and Jesus Christ, his son. Again, in Doctrine and Covenant 76. In that gift of celestial glory, we're told that this is one of those requirements to have entrance into the city of Zion, to keep the celestial law in its entirety. And basically, that's found in section 42. If you read that, you have that guidelines of that celestial law to be a part of that gathering of the elect in that last day into that holy place, that city of refuge, that city of safety. There was this man, Abinadi, who sealed the truth of his words by his death. And I've testified to you before that I feel that I might have to step into Abendai's sandals one day. If you remember that testimony. As confronted back in Anway, Michigan, northern part of the Lower Peninsula. I had just been chosen as pastor of our small group there, finishing one year of service in that office. And this was, of course, right after, this was 1985, this was right after 1984's revelation of the ordination of women, which I couldn't accept. And uh, the regional president called me into his office and he said, have you thought about stepping down? And I told him, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I feel and you tell me what I should do. So I took the stand in that moment. I didn't go along with that revelation. I didn't think it was in accordance with the ordinance of the church. I said some other things that I thought that uh, the president of the church, I didn't call him prophet, I just called him president of the church, had been deceived by priesthood and high offices. And by the ERA movement and by the World Council of Churches, and then he said, well, then you have no other recourse. I had no other recourse but to resign. They set up a time three days later to appoint that interim pastor, and I had an opportunity to stand. And I used that same scripture there found in chapter 9 of the book of Mosiah, where Abinadi is faced with King Noah. And he would not take back his words. And he was willing to seal the truth of his words by his own death, by fire. I don't know if I'm going to have to stand in his sandals one day. But I truly hope that I have that strength and that courage. Never 
to deny my Christ. He is my Savior, my Redeemer, my friend, my companion on this side of heaven. Perhaps it is time that we take up our stand like the prophet Samuel, the Lamanite, standing upon that wall, proclaiming to that city of their iniquity and their soon destruction because they have gone against the will of God. Dwindling unbelief no longer having any of those promises afforded them. It's time for us to stand on that wall to proclaim to our family, especially our children, the future of this church to teach them in the ways of righteousness that Jesus wants to be their friend as well. We have that responsibility to be that warning voice, to encourage one another. When we see another one mourning, we are to mourn with them. And when we see one having great joy, we're to have joy with them. God wants to heal this land. He wants to save you from those hours of darkness, those hours of grief, those hours of anxiety and fear. Satan's still out there. He's still out there. And he wants to devour everyone that he can. You have an opportunity this day to choose Jesus and to keep his commandments and be looking forward to that day of that glorious reunion. And if I may, in closing, I'd like to read those last two scriptures found in the seventh section of the Doctrine and Covenants once again. And the Lord God said unto Enoch, Then shalt thou and all thy city meet them there, and we will receive them into our bosom, and they shall see us, and we will fall upon their necks, and they shall fall upon our necks, and we will kiss each other. And there shall be my abode, and it shall be called Zion, which shall come forth out of all creations which I have made, and for the space of a thousand years shall the earth rest. Even so, amen. Thank you, Brother Bill. I forgot to mention that our uh, brother Larry is under the weather, and Tony Brown will be bringing our benediction. Would you turn your hymnals to 350?
Father who art in heaven, we count it a joy and a privilege to gather here in this uh, hour of quietness to worship thee. We have done so in spirit and in truth. We thankful for those are thankful for those words that was brought to us from our brother that has expounded thy word and has shared his testimony that Jesus is the Christ. And so it is, Father, uh, may we be that uh, witness to others that in these latter days that we might be bold to... uh, Let others know our testimony to that this Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so, Father, be with each one as we depart here this day till we meet again. May we be willing to open the door and let you in that you might uh, heal the brokenhearted, and those at grief, and those that struggle. May we open our hearts to thee. May you bless them this day and the days to come, that truly we might be that people that will be ready to uh, receive thy uh, great city that great refuge which we look so forward to. And this is our humble prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior, who is Jesus Christ. Amen.